are listening to the PRC Students Podcast. This sermon was recorded during our series on First and Second Peter, titled Stand Firm, that focuses on how we can stand firm through trials, opposition, and persecution. We pray that the Lord speaks to you through this message. It's great to be here, guys. It's great to be um, session three of Stand Firm. We're going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to go straight into uh, the word. Um, we'll do announcements and the offering at the end of service. Boy, this one was a hard one. <laughs> See, Johnny gives me purpose on purpose uh, all the hard ones. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a tough one. And, and I'm very nervous. I feel like speaking, speaking is very nerve-wracking. Because I have to make sure that everything I say is the truth. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's this incredible responsibility, and I'm terrified. <laughs> and I want you guys, if it's not too much to ask, to pray for me. While I'm speaking, if you could pray for me. And I pray that God speaks to each and every one of you. I want us to open up 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And tonight I'm going to be speaking about what I believe is one of the most important types of worship, and it is to suffer for Christ. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him be ashamed. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Amen. So when it comes to Christianity, there are two main schools of thought and and when I say Christianity, I mean from probably about mid-1800s, maybe even actually mid-1800s, 1900s to present. You have two schools of thought. There's one that's the Eastern, Eastern Christianity. And they're very serious. They're, they focus on, on suffering, on fear, on rules, regulations. Don't do this. Don't do that. They can be borderline legalistic. Then you have the Western, Western Christianity, which they focus a lot on the joy, the joy of the Lord, positive vibes. They focus on do this, get that. And that's kind of leaning more towards word of faith, the prosperity gospel. You see, we have two completely different spectrums of Christianity. We have one that focuses so much on joy, 
and one that focuses so much on the opposite of joy, on suffering, on fear, which is right. I look in Scripture, and I see that we actually need to have a balance. We need to be in the middle of the spectrum. We need to have joy, but joy of suffering, joy in suffering. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 4, where we just read verses 12 through 13, I'm going to read a New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, do not, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Or we all know this one, Romans 5, 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So we must find joy in suffering. That's what scripture says. And you see, there's a large portion of us that we tend to actually just bring God into our mess. And we consider that suffering. We tend to bring God into our mess. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. Again, New Living Translation. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. You see, your suffering from sin is not God. It's not suffering for Christ. And a lot of times we bring him in. A lot of times we bring him in. I remember I was talking to someone who used to be really, really deep into the world. They were a drug, it was a drug addict. And he was really into it. And, and he told me, he's like, man, I just feel like God was, was, you know, using this to teach me lesson. No! I'm sorry, but I have to say otherwise. God does not tempt James chapter 1, James chapter 1 verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You see a lot of times we're bringing God into that mess. And we're saying, oh God is teaching me a lesson. No, 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 it's your sin. You're in a pit of sin. God's not in it. He'll pull you out of it. We're going to talk about that later. But he's not in it. Don't get confused. Suffering for Christ. Suffering for Christ glorifies him. I don't know if you've ever heard of Richard Rembrandt. Right? Tortured for Christ. He wrote that book. In communist times, he was, he was tortured. He was persecuted. And he suffered a lot. I was reading about him earlier, and, and he was saying that it was saying that that one time he went to to a conference. It was a conference where a bunch of religious leaders went up, and it was it was a communist conference, and, and a bunch of religious leaders went up, and they started glorifying uh, communism. They started glorifying it all. And Richard Rumbrun goes up and he says, "Our job is just to glorify God." How powerful and how terrifying is that? To go before people that, that could kill you immediately and say that. What faith? You see, that's suffering for Christ. Suffering for Christ glorifies God. It glorifies him. You see, Jesus' plan 
was to suffer with us and to suffer for us. If we look in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, if we have it up on the screen. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Next verse. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Next verse. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. Next verse. Now pay attention to this. And he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. You see, a lot of times we're suffering and we're saying, God, God, come in, help me. And that's good. That's good to have faith because he can heal you. But don't get mistaken, that's not his purpose. Christ's purpose on earth was not to heal. It was not to heal your health. It was not to heal your wounds. It was to heal your heart. That's why he suffered. His suffering was not for us, for, 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 for us on earth. It was for eternity. And so Christ invites us to suffer with him. He invites us to, to suffer for him. You see, the purpose for, for suffering for Christ is to glorify God and be partners with Christ in his suffering. You see, he has suffered, so will I. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Disciple meaning Christian. You see, a lot of times, we're, Christ, God, take my cross, take my burdens, take it all away. And that's good, but what about you? What are you doing here? We come to God, we come to God so casually. We come to God and expect everything to be dandy, just to be great. Again, leaning more towards Western. We've become so, so shallow. Because we don't want to suffer. It's interesting, when you, when you look at scripture, if you look in that first part of the passage that we read uh, in 1 Peter. It says, don't be surprised. It's really funny that Peter says this because earlier... I believe it's Mark, I, I don't have it written, I believe it's Mark chapter 8 when, when Jesus is talking about his suffering. Peter's astonished. He's astonished. He's like, no, we shouldn't say this. He pulls Jesus aside and he says, no, we shouldn't talk about suffering. We shouldn't talk about this. And what does the Lord, what, is, what does Jesus Christ do? He rebukes him. He rebukes him because he knows his purpose is to suffer for us. You must take up your cross. You must follow him. But why did Christ have to suffer? That's a question. That's a question that's constantly having to be brought up. And I love what Nabil Kureshi said. He's from RZ, he was from RZIM. He passed away, I believe, in 2017 um, of cancer. But he was part of RZIM. And he said something so great about the judgment of God. He said, imagine that there were two judges. Okay, two judges. The first one, he's a very strict judge. Every criminal that comes, he punishes. No mercy. There's punishment for every crime. 
you must pay the consequences of your actions. What does that make him? It makes him a very just judge. So it would make him a very just judge, correct? Now the second judge. This judge, he forgives everyone. He's very merciful. Every, every person that comes in, every criminal that comes in, he lets off. I don't know if you guys ever watch those, that courtroom. Um, it's courtroom clips from a judge in Rhode Island. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but everyone that comes in, you know, he gives them a hard time sometimes. He, you know, asks them funny questions. But then he'll always, most of the time, let people off. I don't think I've seen a video ever of where he, where he charges them. And so there's this judge that's very merciful, that has grace. That's a merciful judge, correct? So how do we call God completely just and completely merciful? So how do we call God completely just but also completely merciful? There's one way. And it's connected through the suffering of Christ. In Christ's suffering. That's how we connect it. You see, there was a debt. There was a debt, and Christ was the cosigner. A cosigner, if you don't know what a cosigner is, good luck. <laughs> a cosigner is someone who agrees to pay the debts of a borrower if they cannot pay. So, say, for example, if I were to buy a house and I have my father cosign it, if I can't pay, that loan for the house, my father will pay it. And you see, there was a debt. There was a debt that was too high for us to ever pay. There was the debt of sin, the wages of sin, death. We all know that. We've heard that the wages of sin is death. And there was a, a debt that we couldn't pay that was way too high for us to pay. And Jesus co-signed it for us. He said, I will pay for it. He said, I will take up that debt. Because we couldn't afford it. We couldn't do it. And so he paid for it. And you say, well, no, I'm, I'm not a sinner. Well, guess what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because our God is a just God. He must punish sin. He must punish sin. Because if he didn't, what would happen? He wouldn't be a just God. That's out of his character. The attributes of God is that he's just. And so he must punish sin. But mercy comes in. And mercy is Jesus coming in. And he's, he's the son of God that takes our place. He co-signs. He says, I will pay the wages of sin. Die on the cross for their debt. See, Jesus Christ, he's, he's the ultimate sufferer. He came on this earth as a man. We've heard that before. That he could have came on wings. He could have descended from heaven and, and saved us all. But no, he came as a man. He was born as an illegitimate child out of wedlock. Before birth, he was already suffering. Then he was born in a manger. Then he became a carpenter. It's hard labor. For all the guys at the shop, not a CNC machine. Not a nail gun. No, he was a carpenter. He worked by hand. Then he worked day and night to spread the gospel. 
He worked day and night to spread the gospel. He didn't have, he didn't have the luxury of a private jet or, or even a car. It wasn't easy to travel. Then he was betrayed by one of his friends. A tight group of family. He was betrayed by them with a kiss. And Johnny told this story about with his grandma when he would go and she would say to focus on the cross. And so think about that. When he was crucified, his crown of thorns, open wounds, suffocating. We learned about what a crucifixion is a few months back. Suffocating. And imagine every, every gasp of air. Every time he tries to gasp for, for air, every time he's trying to grab that, his back, the open wound, scratching upon a, 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 a splintered cross. And even then, even then he was still doing the Lord's work. I want us to stand up and the worship team to come up. Even then he suffered for you. He suffered with you. And now Christ invites you to suffer for him, with him. You see, he invites you to pick up your cross. To pick it up, to come with him. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And nowhere does it ever say that it's going to be easy. It's only going to be hard, guys. It's suffering for Christ. Peter, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that may come. Don't be surprised when it comes. But rejoice in it because you're glorifying God. Rejoice in it for you're glorifying God. Pick up your cross. Every suffering that you have, he has suffered greater. I want you guys to understand the bottom line is that suffering for Christ, it makes you partner up with him. It makes you partner up with him. I want you to think about the cross. I want you to think about the cross. As I just described, as he's wearing that crown of thorns, as he's wearing that crown of thorns, guys, bow your heads, close your eyes. Really, really imagine this. That crown of thorns piercing through. The open wounds, the blister. That pain. And as he's gasping, He's gasping for air. That phrase, it is finished. We read it so quickly. We read it, it is finished. But just imagine the struggle of him saying it. Every suffering that you have here, he has suffered far greater. He has suffered far greater. But know that he is still suffering with you every moment. And he suffered for you. He suffered with you. Guys, tonight he invites you to suffer with him. To suffer for him. And as we go into worship, guys, I, I encourage you to pray tonight. To just pray. You know, there's many, many who have not accepted this suffering. Who have not accepted to suffer for Christ. If you haven't accepted Christ, pray that tonight where you are. Pray that tonight. 
or maybe you're part of the group that, that chose to suffer for him, that accepted him, but you've fallen, you've backslidden. Come to him. Come back to him. I encourage you, don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. Because you know what? I'd rather make a, a fool of myself over here than have that gut-wrenching, that jaw-dropping, that, that shame, that burning shame of standing before the Lord. And as he says, depart from me for I never knew you. Guys, tonight, tonight's the night. Why, why postpone something when tomorrow's not ours? There's not a moment that is ours. I encourage you again as we go into worship, pray this. Accept this invitation to suffer with him and to suffer for him. Enjoyed the message. Be sure to join us Fridays at 7:30. God bless.